Welcome to another edition of The List, the Write Fiction Podcast. We've got a wonderful show for you all today about art versus the artist. Before we get started, if you love the pod, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your listening app. It helps us reach new listeners like you. Also, be sure to check out our companion Spotify playlist with all our picks that we mentioned in the pod. The link is in the show details. Now, let's get to it. In general, the art that we love means something to us. I mean, it makes us feel happy, sad, it comforts us, it gets us riled up, it gives us goosebumps, it challenges us, shows us something new about ourselves. It means something to us. I mean, when you listen to Blue and Green or Flamenco Sketches by Miles Davis, they give you that feeling of calm and and love. Or when I hear Kanye West's song, We Major, I immediately get pumped up and ready to attack my day or get on the elliptical and do the thing. Or on November 1st, as soon as I hear the first notes of Darlene Love's song, Christmas, baby, please come home, I feel all warm and fuzzy inside. That is the power of amazing art, amazing music. But what about the people that make the art? Do they have a stake in giving me those awesome feelings? Should my feelings be transferred to them as the creators of the art that I love? Yes, no, maybe, well, the only thing I'm absolutely sure of is that it's definitely complicated. Fortunately for you and me, on today's show, we'll be digging deep into these questions as we discuss the concept of art versus the artist. And with a topic this heavy, we just had to bring on an expert guest to help us untangle everything. Welcome to the show, Tom Moon. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. And uh, I know everyone out there in in uh, the list land uh, knows who you are. But for those that don't know who you are, here's a little background on on, on you, Tom. Tom Moon has been uh, writing about pop, rock, jazz, blues, hip hop, and the music of the world since 1983. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Thousand Recordings to Hear Before You Die, and a contributor to other books, including The Final Four of Everything. From 1988 until 2004, he served as music critic at the Philadelphia Inquirer, and his work has appeared in Rolling Stone, GQ, Blender, Spin, Vibe, Harp, and many other publications. Since 1996, he has contributed to NPR's All Things Considered, and he's also won several awards, including two ASCAP Deans Taylor Music Journalism Awards. Behind his bona fides as a music journalist, he's also an accomplished saxophonist, whose professional credits include several tours with the Maynard Ferguson Orchestra. And recently, he launched Echolocator, which is a newsletter devoted to nearly vanished sounds, spirits, ideas, and recordings that is super awesome um, for, for me to read. And, and I know it'll be super awesome for everyone else to read. And I'll, I'll make sure the, the link is, to that is in our show details. Um, so, Tom, we are really honored to have you here today to, to talk about this uh, interesting, interesting topic here. It's an endless topic, isn't it? Because... Even people, I mean, this the news this week about Springsteen's DUI, you know, even people who are on the pedestal are not always on the pedestal. And we're, we're all human. Yes. So, you know, that, that's sort of like a baseline for me in this conversation is, you know, we may 
hold these people to a higher standard because of what they've brought, but they're still human and we're still human. And part of what we're addressing is how we process the humanity of icons, legends, people who've been larger than life since we were very small people. Yeah. And a little background on, on, on this part specifically is, you know, uh, part of the genesis of, uh, of, of, of this topic um, was um, your, your topic when you talked about Phil Spector's death right. and what that means for the art world, what that means for art. And um, it was just really, um, I thought it was uh, just a really deep article and you really covered it well um, on Echolocator. Um, so make sure everyone out there, please check it out. Um, but with that, we, we are going to dig into our, into our list. And today, it's, there's not going to be a favorite. I'm not going to say favorite, okay, everyone out there. Today, I'm going to say, uh, who would you like to talk about first? Because um, when you talk about these, these folks, you don't want to talk about who's your favorite um, terrible person. That's not, that's, 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 I know that's not a good way to go about it, I guess. So today, what we're going to talk about of your top three people where you want to talk about, who do you want to talk about first? Um, and we're going to go three, two, one still, because that's just what we do. But anyway, Brendan, who in our art versus artist topic would you like to talk about first, sir? Yes. Thanks, Aaron. I feel like instead of let's get ready to rumble, let's get ready to get uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's today. So for me, the third person I'm going to talk about is drummer Ginger Baker, because for me, I think he was an amazing drummer. He was like equal parts, Tony Allen, Buddy Rich, Mitch Mitchell, like just the way that he bashed on the drums, but had a great sense of groove and a really creative approach behind the kit and also like such a personality. But that personality was often quite problematic. He was known for being so fiery. He always told you what he thought. Very volatile attitude. Uh, Jack Bruce went on record as saying that they lived too close, even though they were on two different continents for the last couple decades of each of their lives. And so that's why he is the third person I would like to talk about, Ginger Baker. Nice. Excellent. And uh, I didn't know much about Ginger Baker, but uh, I learned a lot in, in researching for this, and that was interesting. Uh, Tom, you're going to go with you, man. What is your number three person that you would like to talk about today <laughs> in the art versus artist topic? Uh well, let's just get Michael Jackson out of the way then, shall we? Um, you know, anyone who is, whose sort of tagline is king of pop is problematic to begin with, right? I mean, we know his work uh, from the time he was a very young person. He was a star. And throughout his career, up until 1993, when the first child abuse, sexual abuse allegations surfaced, uh, you know, we always thought as an adult, he was an uncomfortable adult. He was not like the rest of us. We attributed that to his upbringing, to his father, a lot of, you know, a lot of history about that. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated because so much of his work is is about joy and so much of what he brought the world with thriller anyway. And then in uh, sort of a diminishing uh, ratio after that, uh, these, these songs, these productions were just everywhere. They were almost inescapable. 
for a long time in the culture. They had huge influence. He cast a huge influence across the way records were made and everything else. And what do you do with someone like that who is reaching into the minds of very young people before they're even really pop music consumers? How, what do you, how do you wrestle with this legacy of his sort of bad behavior against this stuff that you can't even imagine ever coming from someone who would who have, would have had a, a sort of wayward thought. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to talk about Michael Jackson. I think he's just, you, you know, he, we can't not talk about him. Yes, that's this 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 topic. You, 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 unfortunately, fortunately, I don't even know how to say it, but you got to have Michael Jackson on this list. Yeah, you know, this topic. True. So. Um, with that, uh, we're going to move to you, Adam. Mm. What is your number three person that you'd like to talk about when we talk about this topic of art versus artists? Boy, this whole week I was kind of, uh, I was kind of just dreading the conversation. Then we finally sit down and start this. I'm like, you know what? This is actually really, really, really interesting. And and really, a, a lot of the the, uh, the back and forth I had in my head this week was a lot with just the criterion of why why to choose who, and. You know, I didn't want to get too criminal or too, you know, but um, with my, 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 my third choice, I wanted to go with uh, someone who's kind of legend kind of overtook what he really did. And I went uh, Jim Morrison in that. Um, I mean, personally, I'm not a big fan of the doors. I think Morrison just is like a big drunken piece of ham running around on stage, you know, and, and it just, you know, and then, and then really the doors movie did him even less favors where they had him in this, like, you know, in the, desert with the you know the shaman and then he's always and then like <laughs> and and but like and and then you know just like this constantly drunk you know tripping you know you know 24 hours a day for you know eight straight years or whatever you know whatever it just it the legend blew up and but if you really get down to it and look at the doors it was like you know this really kind of a groundbreaking band with you know like this really you know high concept poetry and this like you know psychedelic kind of jazz in the back is it, it i think you know the more i t- eliminate the legend and just like listen to the doors i i think uh you know they're, they're, they just i think their reputation isn't right so that's why i threw jim morrison there at number three nice adam and so um i guess i assume you didn't like that uh doors movie i guess adam <laughs> i don't we, we, we <laughs> i don't know i that, no um remember we did a pod on one of the previous pods we did and i added it's like I, I, I'm a, I, I was entertained as hell by it, but it's like, I don't think it did anything good to their reputation. Yeah. I, you know, it was like tabloid entertainment. So you, you, you love, hate them. All right. And with that, <laughs> Freddie. Quote, unquote. <laughs> Freddie. Yeah. We're going to go to you with your uh, number boy. three pick. And I do actually have the artists. I have them in order this time. Usually I'm very vague about a listing. I I'm not down with lists per se. This one is number three for sure. I have him in order of least to most. And you got to start with this guy. I do. And it's another drummer. Bernard Buddy Rich. I mean, come on. Everybody knows about the bus tapes. And there's been other stories. Uh, Supposedly he, uh, Billy Cobham, brought him a snare drum to sign and Buddy dropped it down the stairs, supposedly. And then there's been documented cases of him being gracious and sweet 
to other to rock drummers who came and to bow at his feet. So who knows what to believe? But one of the things is supposedly the day before he died, um, Mel Torme came to visit him. He was a good friend, and one of Buddy's last requests before he passed on was to listen to the bus tapes. <laughs> but it never happened. He didn't. Uh, Mel didn't get a chance because he, Buddy passed the very next day. <laughs> anyway. You you all know know the joke about people calling his house asking his buddy there. No, I don't know that. All right, all right, look it up. I'm not going to tell it. It's it's cruel, cruel, cruel and unusual. Anyway, okay, that's okay. my pick number three, Buddy Rich. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, you got you got some homework there. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I'm gonna go uh, uh, finish out this round, I guess, with my number three pick of the art versus artist um concept or 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 topic and and again this is aaron brown the john stockton of this podcast and my number three pick (laughs) he sure gave himself a nice nickname didn't he yeah that's great (laughs) well i forgot to introduce you guys so i'm coming back to you i'm coming back um uh my number three pick is john mayer and uh, my concept for picking this this guy is, I thought, um, is it me? Is it is it me that has gone overboard with not liking him because of the uh, kind of controversial statements he made um, uh, in re- with re- reference to you know it's black people and black women and using the n word in a, in an interview a couple years ago. What? Um, and uh, it seems like he's come out of that and he's recorded more albums and people have kind of accepted him in the popular culture again. Um, but that is real is really personal for me when he, when he did that, because I was a huge fan. I mean, that continuum album was really good and I really loved it. But after that, I was like, ah, and then he apologized. And, and, and the thing is, I say, isn't me because I mean, everybody I know has made dumb mistakes. Um, I, everybody, you know, hasn't made these dumb mistakes, but everybody has made dumb mistakes. So do you, do you forgive? Do you not forgive? Do you move on? Do you not move on? So that's why he is my number three pick. And so with that, we're going to kick it back up to you, Brendan Meta McGeehan, with your number two pick here with the art versus artist topic here. Yep. Uh, Continuing to get more uncomfortable as we progress in our list here. So, my number two, I reserved for the Godfather of Soul. Mr. James Brown, he should be in the discussion. There's a very well-documented history of abusive behavior with this man. But he's James Brown. It's just, you know, and I don't even know if he ever acknowledged it publicly. It just seems like it's part of his persona, too. I mean, he was... He was the hammer. He was hard on his band. He was hard on everyone in his life. Like I just was listening to an interview with Bootsy Collins and he bought Bootsy his first like nice bass. And then when Bootsy decided to leave to go with George Clinton, James got the bass back. He asked for it back. <laughs> like he was just a hard man, a really hard man. Uh, but the music is undeniable. Amazing, influential, all the above problematic person. Number two, James Brown. Nice. Yeah. That is, uh, he definitely deserves on this list too. 
Um, and with that, we are going to go to you, Tom Moon. What is your number two pick here with this uh, topic of art versus artist, sir? Uh, Van Morrison, simply because uh, he's not someone that we yet know has done anything so other than his statements about COVID, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, but we, he's not someone who has a criminal record, right? But out of all the people who made records in his era, the sort of like singer-songwriter period forward, um, he's one of the few that almost everyone who crossed paths with him had trouble with on some level or other. He was uh, surly in interviews, and I can say that because I did one, very short one, with him. Uh, He was not pleasant to his musicians. He, uh, in this kind of in the same way uh, you were saying about James Brown, he was someone who was a taskmaster, expected uh, really high level work, but was not a charitable, fun boss to to work for. And you know, he made outrageous demands of promoters at festivals. I mean, he was re- he was really kind of the, he's a case where the unpleasantness of his personality is more the issue. And because so many people now know, he's kind of in the Ginger Baker category, I guess, uh, because so many people now know that this was his, was, is his, his mojo a little bit, you know, that, that like your reputation precedes you, right? So now he doesn't even have to be that guy to be that guy, which is weird too. So yeah, he has to be here. Yep. Yes. Uh, I didn't know anything about his uh, surly attitude, to be honest with you. And um, even I didn't even know about the COVID thing until I, you know, did some research for our pod today. And um, yeah, it, it makes me think a little differently about Mr. Mr. Van Morrison, which is, you know, oh, yeah. part of the as part of the the, the, the topic here we're talking about. Um, so with that, Adam, the podiatrist, Zelensky, podiatrist. <laughs> We are going to go yeah. to you for your number two, <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two oh, pick in man. the art versus artist topic. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Let me foot the bill for your mental <laughs> anguish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, we should just call this the hard truths about people you thought you liked podcast. You know, but um, my my, my second choice, actually a pretty good one on the heels of Van Morrison, is um. A guy has kind of used media man- manipulation to, uh, you know, keep relevant, and uh, it has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and that would be Kanye West. Because uh, I had to, I mean, sim- simply for the fact that so many people I talk to, and I'm talking about like, oh, you know, I love this Kanye album. I, I, you know, I think I, he has five fantastic albums, but every time I talk to somebody, they're like, yeah, but he's just kind of a dick, you know, or like, you know, or, you know he's always just in the Allegedly. News. Allegedly. <laughs> Alleged dick. <laughs> Alleged dick. <laughs> <laughs> but but i i just I, every time because you know I, i'm i'm a big fan not maybe not of his most recent work but a, a lot of his work and every time i'm you know in a casual conversation with somebody so many times it comes up yeah, yeah but he's just so annoying or he's just so this and that i'm like i'm not talking about him you know so i think he's kind of a, a pretty uh pretty good embodiment of a uh in a more contemporary art versus artist because uh, no one can get past it or at least not a lot so kanye at number two yeah, that's uh, he deserves to be on this list. Uh, <laughs> he gets honored to be on this list, I guess. The, 
whatever that means. Um, so with that, we're going to go to you. Uh, I'm work. I'm still workshopping this. We're going to hand. We're going to hand out little certificates. <laughs> 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 Uh, Freddie, we're, we're going to go to you. Freddie, uh, Freddie, Fetty, Bobetti, Berman. Yes. Uh, what is your number two pick? Number two. Uh, for the art versus artist concept. Yeah, song? number two is Chuck Berry. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but he was actually, uh, he actually was sent to a reformatory when he was in high school for armed robbery. And it's kind of where he started getting his music, musical chops together. He put a singing quartet together. And when he got out, you know, he was kind of pursuing music. Um, but they're, the, the most famous is, is that he allegedly installed a video camera in oh. the ladies' bathroom of his restaurant. Ew. I've actually played at that place, Blueberry Hill, in uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. And uh, he claimed he had the camera installed to catch a worker who was suspected of stealing from the restaurant. But uh, I'll let you decide. Anyway, <laughs> that's, I mean, Chuck, what can you say? It's Chuck Berry, man. And I have a great Chuck story, which I'll t I will tell in the second part. My number two pick, Chuck Berry. Nice. And I'm going to see your ick factor and raise you another ick factor, <laughs> sir. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so this is uh, Aaron again, John Stockton here. And my number two pick for the art versus artist topic of today is R. Kelly. Um, and I, I, you know, in thinking about and who should we pick for this, um, I thought like, you know, well, let me try to figure out like someone who that I've, I've liked their music, but you know what? I could just, I can just totally cut out of my life and not even worry about it. And R. Kelly topped that list of people that, um, I could just cut out and not listen to anymore. And, um, but however, I will say that putting together our Spotify playlist when I went back to listen to those songs, I was like, dang, these are the jam right here. <laughs> and, but I still could cut them out because I, I can't, you can't listen to his music in the, you know, uh, sexy time context and be like, feel cool about yourself. Um, so yeah, that's why he is uh, on this list for me at number two. And with that, we're going to kick it back up to you, Meta. What is your number one? Artist versus artist, ver, ver, art versus artist topic person. <laughs> that is a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So the person that I picked for number one is kind of the poster child for modern day toxic masculinity. And that is Mr. Ryan Adams. Mm. So we have a lot of uh, documented evidence of really awful things that he's done. Uh, some serious issues with women, it seems. And the reason I put him as my number one is because I really like his music. And it's it's very conflicting for me knowing what I know about him now because his records are like a string of pearls. Like that self-titled record, the Ryan Adams, it was like one of my favorites of that year. And still, like I still spin that. I think there's some great songs on there. So he's got to be up there for number one for me, Ryan Adams. Hmm. 
And 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 you're saying uh, Ryan with an R, not Brian. That's right. Just so everyone out there, make <laughs> clear. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. Make nobody it. nobody ever had that conversation about Brian Adams. Nope. <laughs> Maybe. I hope not. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about Brian with a B. We're talking about Ryan here, everyone. I just want to make that clear for our listeners out there. Brian, you're okay. Um, Tom, let's go to you with your number one pick in this art versus artist topic. Well, he's already been mentioned, and, you know, we can't not address Phil Spector. Uh, you know, most of these guys look like amateurs compared to Phil Spector. I mean, you know, this is like a rogues gallery of awfulness, and yet Phil Spector takes it up a level or two. I mean, you know, he actually killed somebody and was serving time for it. And put a lot of other people, mostly women, through hell for a very long time while he was working with them. I mean, you know, he represents this thing where, you know, the value system that we all bring to life and and our humanity crashes into this this art that you, again, when you hear it, you do not think that this is a murderer. This is the work of someone who's evil you it, it's almost impossible to square the ronettes with his behavior yeah yeah this it is a tough one um yeah a lot to talk about on that one let's just <laughs> leave that there for right now and we're gonna go to you mr pod diatrist with your number one pick in this art versus artist topic sir okay i went a little i went a little uh way back for this one just because uh i think uh maybe this uh, particular one is more known for the controversy than the actual music and that is uh richard wagner and uh <laughs> i mean and i mean i guess when you're hitler's favorite composer it's not it's like not exactly a, a badge of honor per se and really there was there's like controversy to like how much his music affected hitler's thinking and all this stuff it's it, it's it's crazy and the thing is like Wagner has a lot of a lot of nice stuff. Some, you know, uh, I love the Ring Cycle, and there, there's just a ton, there's a ton of stuff. But he has published works uh, that are quite anti-Semitic. He seemed to kind of blame Jews for a lot of things, and then um, uh, and then he kind of latched on to like um, kind of like a, what would have been a pundit back then who kind of uh, the had political views believing in like superior and inferior races. So he really wasn't keeping the best of company, but, uh, and I, I mean, and I think history is really kind of, you know, more people know Wagner as the, the anti-Semite guy than they could name any of his music. And granted, it's not like as, you know, it, it's his type of music is popular today, but it's, it's like at what point, and maybe even, you know, it's kind of similar to my Morrison pick. At what point does the legend like completely overtake what the music was all about? So that's kind of wanted one to throw Wagner in there at my number one. Yeah, he definitely um, gets a ticket to the show on this one. <laughs> the um, golden ticket. <laughs> golden ticket. Yeah, there's, there is hard evidence on that one. <laughs> um, and, and I, I want to say, uh, even though it's a, it, it, this was a, you know, a pick on, on a terrible list, uh, shout out to uh, Mr. Brent. Your classical le- legacy on this pod lives on. And uh, Maybe. I don't that, know if you wanted to right now. <laughs> With that, we're going to go to you, Freddie, uh, Freddie Bobetti, uh, Mr. Bobetti. Yes, sir. Um, what is your number one 
All right. Uh, pick on this here odd list of art first artists. So. All right. Number one, I'm raising the bar on this one. And much like Phil Spector, I mean, this guy's nickname is The Killer. So, <laughs> yeah, that's I, right. Come on. <laughs> He's married seven times. And uh, his second marriage actually was the one to his 13 year old cousin. He was married the first time when he was a teenager. But uh, his fifth marriage lasted 77 days and uh, ended with her death. And it's alleged that he abused her and may have been responsible for her death. But the allegations have never been verified. Mm. So... That's my number one. And his that that first bit with his marriage to his thirteen year old cousin basically derailed his career, like in the middle of its ascendancy. Hey, right. When it, it was he was still rising. On the rise, yeah. Yep. I read the Sam Phillips uh, biography by Peter Grounding and yeah. pretty much shot him right down. So, yeah, so it, it derailed his career, but it caught him a cozy spot on this ride here that we're having. That's today. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> with that, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna close it out here, guys, uh, with my number one pick in this art versus artist topic here. And this one kind of pains me to say, um, but it doesn't pain me at the same time, but it, yet it does pain me. Is um, and I and the reason I chose this guy Miles Davis is because he allegedly was a terrible person from you know a lot of different sources. However, his music is just so daggone good that I just there's no way I can separate the music from my brain. So that's why he exists on this on this topic here. I mean, he uh, I read his biography and you know he allegedly said he was a pimp and he was you know you know domestic abuser and i saw the recent documentary that came out and his um you know wife of the time you know talked about um being you know abused by him and um so he was pretty terrible and he talked to people terribly a lot of times and uh, so but yeah that's why he is on this list and with that we're going to take a short break and be back with much discussion hold on And we are back. And it, so when we looking, when I'm looking at all the people on this list, they, a lot of people on this list have had um, great legacies. They've touched a lot of lives with their music. Um, they've had, they've sold a lot of records. They've made a lot of money. Um, and I want to talk to you, Brendan, first about um, uh, just the the basics here. Does you know their behavior, you know, tarnish their legacy in any way to you, at least? No, it's kind of a, it's a softball there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> are, are there softballs in this topic? Uh, I Yes, I think if I'm honest, it does. It does. But it's it's weird because I can still, for the most part, listen to the music, but it's not 
it's not equal across the board. There are some of our picks listed that I have a hard time listening to and some that I don't have a hard time listening to. And I, yeah. I can't really explain why. So it's just, yeah, it's really challenging. And so I think that has led to the, the, the conflict that we're all feeling right now. Well, a, f- a follow-up for you, sir, is so which ones um, are you having a hard time listening or do you have a hard time listening to, like on this list here that we have? I think Michael Jackson is a big one. I, I don't know, like, and like, do we have to get into like the ranking of these <laughs> terrible like acts that people have done? Like, are we are we really going at it from there? And then I get like, well, why am I judging other people like this? And it's yeah, it's just really uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. Wow, um, uh, Tom, what do you got, man? So the, the notion with Michael, the gut check I did yesterday, knowing we were going to talk about this, was. I put on Off the Wall and listened to Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which I think as as a work of modern production, it's about as nailed as you can get. I mean, it's just perfect. It always makes me feel good. It's always uplifting. It always makes me dance. And I have not heard it. I've heard it ambiently, like being out and around, but I've not heard it like to sit and listen to it loud and, you know. And I was surprised that for you know, the, the first reaction I had was kind of like revulsion. It was almost like I didn't need to hear this again. Uh, partly I think, uh, because it's been burned into my brain, but partly it's that, you know, every time you hear something and you intentionally go to listen to something. And that's, that's important too, because, you know, Michael Jackson has not been canceled out of, uh, you know, the Spotify universe and out of the culture. I mean, you can find, you know, you can hear him on the radio at the beach. But uh, there's something different about actually going to put on a record and then going, ah, is this such a, you know, is this what I really need right now? And I, I stayed with it all the way through, but I was, I, I was really confronting that in a way that I had not with some of these other people. Aaron, what you said about R. Kelly, however, having sat through a a really terrible live performance from him where, (laughs) you know, it's like he never moved the needle. It was, it was the opposite of all these other people as performers. You know, I can never hear R Kelly again. I'm good. With Michael, I'm struggling. Yeah. And I think digging a little more into the Michael part, um, I feel you, Tom. Like when I listen to um, his music, I immediately, immediately go to cringy, cringiness. Mm. Um, But I will say when I listen to especially Off the Wall and Thriller, what I first go to, um, I don't necessarily go to Michael Jackson. I think about Quincy Jones. Quincy, exactly right. right. Now, when I think about Quincy Jones and like when the the strings come in on um, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, I think, or whatever, it was like. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, that's the good stuff. Yeah, and I don't think about Michael not once, even though it's like his song. But his later stuff, I'm like, ooh, this guy is creepy. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, Adam, what do you got, man? Well, while we're on this topic, um, and we are, um, you know, there is the the loveliness of the information age and having Spotify and everything at your fingertips. A byproduct of that is the uh, expose documentaries that we can. Uh, all put our way through, and I, I, you know, I have to say, I have purposely avoided watching the latest one uh, on HBO. The is it Leaving Neverland or right the two part find, Finding Neverland, Finding Neverland, yeah. Uh, and and I'm just like, 
I know a couple people that watched it and they were just like scarred. And I'm just like, I'm and I'm like, you know, I, I, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta face hard truths and stuff or, or whatever alleged it is on there. But I'm like, I've had a hard time. I can't do it. I can't pull the trigger. I'm just, I don't know. Have any of you guys watched it? No, I don't need Same to. reason. Yeah. On purpose. Nope. Yep. Nope. <laughs> so that's everybody. That's, that's the whole panel. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Go, going back to R. Kelly, though, I haven't watched that documentary either. And, no, and it wasn't because I was trying to avoid it. I was just like, uh, going to Tom's point, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like, right. uh, he, he, the quality of his art, and that's a topic I want to bring up to the, to the group here. The quality of R. Kelly's art just, you know, makes it easy for me to be like, snip, snip, sit, you're gone. Um, but the quality of some of these other people, um, it just yeah, it leaves me like, uh, you know, I'm like, I can't do it. Uh, and, and actually, I'll go to you next, Brendan. But like, for instance, everybody's all about uh, the popular culture is about Ryan Adams and how great. And like, Brendan, you were saying how, how you love his records. And I never got into it, into his records because I didn't think I didn't like it. So I was like, I, I kind of feel like, whew. I dodge that one. I don't even. I don't even. The quality. It doesn't. I just. I can snip that out and not even worry about it. And I feel really good about myself for not dipping into it. But uh, Brandon, what do you got, man? Yeah, yeah. I think. I think it's really worth bringing up just the, the size of one's catalog in reference to this because it is easy to cut others out and not others. And so another example would be Gary Glitter. Like Ooh. he had one giant hit, and yeah. so. Let's cut them off and we can feel better as a society because we're taking the moral high ground. Gary Glitter is not in part of our public consciousness or he's not getting the spotlight anymore. Uh, but then, OK, well, what about Michael Jackson? You know, people are still totally fine to listen to those records. And so where do we where do we draw the line? And so for me, the question that I want to bring up to you guys is this notion of music as ownership. And so I feel like that is such a huge part of this conversation because we all have records that we love and we call it our records. We call it my music, even though it's, it's not our music. It's belongs to you know, the collective. And so I just want to bring that up as a concept of, of why, why it kind of crosses over. Hmm. Uh, um, Adam, what do you got, man? All right. I guess, you know, and we've learned a lot is with the picks, but everything goes back to nostalgia and, 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 and people don't want to rewrite too much of their, of their past. They don't want they, I mean, you know, they don't. They don't want to go back and be like, you know, I you know, all these parties, you know, Michael Jackson dance parties. Listen to this and 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 then just think uh, it was all, you know, that was all in vain or something. But it, I mean, I don't. I don't personally think that way. But it's it's a lot of a lot of people don't want to reconstruct the past. And I, I do agree with you there, Brendan. With like, yeah, you can get rid of the one, you know, the the Hay song and and you know, like you, yeah, we're you all know, right. We don't, e we don't easy to, easy to cancel a tune, but yeah. like with Michael Jackson, it was like part of like culture for like a you know a number top of culture for a decade uh, what you got time and what you also see with somebody like ginger baker is you can't really cut him out because he's involved in so many things that are that end up being influential whether or not he was a bad actor at the time he was making you know the blind faith record that record stands. It stands. It's like it's something that I would teach any history of music course I would I would do. And, you know, I, I might not even get to 
his his personality and his the way he was abrasive with other musicians, the feud with Jack Bruce, all that. I might not even go there with him. With Michael Jackson, it becomes a different thing in part because the audience was the age of the people he was exploiting and 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 abusing. And you know, he was he 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 had a bead on something culturally that very few people hold for any length of time. And then he used that in a in a way that that uh, exploited people. And to me, that there is something about that that's different, and maybe not as historically uh, like the the music has to have an asterisk. Where Ginger Baker's music is his music; it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, all the time, you know, accompanied by a parenthetical trigger warning or whatever. Right, Brendan, what do you got, man? Yeah, so I I want to bring up Phil Spector back into the conversation because again, this whole episode was kind of sparked by Tom your really incredible newsletter with him being the top. I think one of your one of your phrases was like the tortured obituaries about him. Like I, that just totally nails that. And for me, like it's just so interesting. I don't have a problem listening to Phil Spector productions now, and even as someone who lives in the studio, I know better. I know that the that the producer, the engineer, the musicians, they all have such a say in the production of the song. But because Phil Spector's not singing the song, he's sort of removed in a way on the recording. It doesn't bother me as much that his fingerprints are all over it, but it's like, it's not him like selling the message to me as much of a problem as I have with like Michael Jackson singing a love song to me. Like I just, it's, it's really difficult. And so, um, and part of it too is like, Phil Spector, yes, he had a lot of documented years of uh, problematic behavior, but the crime that he committed that he went away for was kind of well past any sort of relevancy he ever had left in the music industry. So I don't know if that plays a factor, too. Yeah, that's interesting. Oops, Freddie, what do you got, man? Well, did you say that he didn't have his fingerprint all over the productions? No, he did. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, because he was somewhat of a tyrant in the studio, you know, like... 150 takes later, you know, all right, that's it. Thank you, Hal. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's actually, um, that's actually a good point, Freddie, because uh, I want to talk about something slightly different, took it, take it from a different angle here, and that's levels of bad behavior. So if Phil Spector was just a tyrant in a studio and saying, we got to get the right take, guys, number 160, mm-hmm. come on. And that's what, or if you look down our list and you talk about Buddy Rich or you talk about Ginger Baker or, you know, somebody else like that, like, and they're just like curmudgeons or Van Morrison, they're just like curmudgeonly people. Um, does that even like square into anything or does it matter? Should it matter? Um, do we want our artists to be totally nice? Do we want, um, does it matter? I'll throw that out to you guys. Freddie, what do you got, man? Yeah. Um. Well, this is something I've been thinking about uh, a lot because I'm in the middle of reading a book called Small Town Talk about Woodstock. Right. And uh, Van Morrison features in it prominently. And uh, there's a drummer who actually used to live in Philly, an old friend of mine, Dowd Shaw, played in Van's band. And he's quoted in the book basically saying, look, the guy was an alien. You know what I mean? Like social, what, what I'm getting at is musicians a lot of times are just social misfits. 
no offense to anybody, myself included. It's the truth. I can uh, second that. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. and it manifests in certain behaviors. He was like, yeah, Van was like an alien, man. He didn't, he was not, uh, he didn't have a lot of social graces. But every once in a while, he would call me up and say, hey, I hear there's a guy who used to cut Sinatra's hair. Let's go get haircuts. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he would surprise you. You know, so basically what I'm saying is musicians aren't the most sociable or socially uh, adjusted people in the world to begin with. Artists, artists, period. Yeah, Brent, I'm going to go to you and and then Adam. Yeah, I think to piggyback on that, Freddie, I've had this thought before, too, of the the level of genius of a lot of the musicians that we're talking about. And I've experienced this in, in really small doses of working with people who are on such a high level. They have such, they have zero patience for incompetence. They have zero patience for their time being wasted. And the ideas with which they come up with are flowing so fast. Man, you better just stay out of the way if you can't keep up. Yeah. And so, like, yep. I think that right. could breed a certain amount of aggressive behavior because of just the the amount of creativity that can come through and be channeled through somebody is really impressive. Yep. Totally. Yeah, Adam, what do you got? All yeah. of that. Um, so we were talking about like the curmudgeonly and, and, and all of that. And then uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do the dumb, you know, that lovely thing of just asking another question to answer a question in that if the, the, uh, the people in the industry that have the great squeaky clean images and say all the right things and do all the right moves, do you believe that's real? Do you believe, do you believe those people? No, no, nope. Not anymore. (laughs) Nope. No. Nope. Sometimes um, I don't take out the trash. There are, know? there are though, there are a few the, who are, you know, sort of saintly beyond uh, reproach and people like John Hammond, the great A&R guy who discovered Springsteen and helped Dylan. Dylan's career and, you know, advance the cause of racial integration of the music yeah. business, produced the first racially integrated concert at Carnegie hall, you know, yeah. like he was on the right side of the angels pretty much all the time throughout his whole career. Now we may find out some stuff by some biographer down the road, but it doesn't in, in, in a case like that, he, he brought us so much good and he, he created so much, art that was good that you know it's like i don't know i will say that the people who are who are running the the, pulling the levers of the music business today i think most of them have problems that go beyond even the ones we're talking about about socially maladjusted uh musicians because you know the people in who are the business people today are part of uh an opportunistic grab at the work of artists they're just another toll booth in a sense i see them that way and uh so there's there there's a lot to answer for if you're an anr executive right now whether you might be the squeaky cleanest guy around i'm taking this on a tangent but you know what i'm saying it's like these people are not are not on the right side of the angels now i don't think yeah 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 go go ahead freddie um, so speaking of angels and devil, I just finished watching, uh, the gospel according to Al Green. Okay. It's a documentary, uh, by Robert 
muggy. Yeah. And then, you know, as I mean, I'd heard stuff about Al Green, whatever, the Reverend. And it's basically, it's basically all about his gospel career and his church. And I've seen him perform. I've actually opened for him when he was back to doing the secular stuff. So this was made before that. But then I started looking up his, you know, stuff about him and how he portrays himself in the movie and some of the stuff that I read is like, holy cow. Yeah. Like, wow, this is the greatest PR uh, film I've ever seen. It was amazing. Right. But if, if you go to his church, if you have that experience, it's like, it's all the way real. You know, I was lucky enough to do that. I interviewed him and Willie Mitchell at the, at the studio during that period when he was just coming back to secular work. And I'd heard the, I've heard these stories too. And there's a lot of, you know, there's women that are, have accused him of things and you just don't know how opportunistic that is. I just want to say that like, you know, about someone like that, it's like I didn't go in with, to this interview prepared to ask him about any of the skeletons in his closet at all. And I also didn't go in expecting to laugh as much as I did. I, I mean, this guy is like he and Willie Mitchell. Now, he had not worked with Willie for a long time. Willie was not doing great. He was an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. But these guys sitting together were joy personified. It was like watching ping pongs of joy back and forth. I mean, I listened to this tape recently because I was doing something for Echo Locator on, which I may share some of it, but I can't even tell what he's saying. He's in his falsetto voice, just laughing. And, (laughs) you know, in this period of the pandemic, it's been hard to find good examples of laughter that make you go, oh my God, this this was ridiculous. I couldn't even transcribe this interview there was half of it is laughter. So there's something about that too. And you know, it's like the fact that he, he got, got what he got out of his voice and in a performance setting and in church because he was available to whatever the moment was. Now, does that mean that, you know, at, at 1230 at night when somebody approaches him who wants to have sex, you know, who knows? Right. Yeah. Brandon, what do you got, man? Well, I just, we teased it in the front half and I got to hear Freddie's Chuck Berry story. <laughs> it's not that great. <laughs> back in the, back in the, uh, eighties, mid eighties, I, uh, did a bunch of gigs with a group called the silhouettes. Get a job. Sha-na-na-na. They were from Philly yeah. and a friend of mine was the band leader and needed a, a rhythm section. So myself and a, bass player friend of mine did a bunch of gigs one gig we did was uh tom i don't know if you remember this it it was a thing that quint davis put together called rockarama oh yeah down at penn's land and uh so we shared a trailer it was a two-day thing saturday and sunday so we do wop acts it was everybody and and oldies and chuck berry uh and the the mem the sun rhythm section was on the bill. So I I got to hang out with DJ Fontana. Wow. You know, uh, Elvis's original, yeah, original mm-hmm. drummer and 
gave me his number. He's like, hey, if you're ever down in Memphis, give me a call. I promptly lost the number. So <laughs> the story is, so we're, we're in the trailer, me and the guys from the Sun Rhythm section. And all of a sudden, Chuck Berry walks in. So, you know, Chuck's deal is he would go to the airport, rent uh, like either a Lincoln or a Cadillac, open up the trunk. They put a satchel of money in the trunk. And you go up on stage and he'd play, drive back to the airport. with the, Play with the rented rhythm section, you know, whoever yeah. guys were in town. I, I'm remorse that I never got a chance to do that gig, but whatever. He walks into the uh, trailer, and everything's cool. You know, he, he's really he's in a good mood. He's talking to the guys from, and I'm like a fly on the wall. All of a sudden, one of the guy's wife's pulls pulls out an Instamatic camera. He was gone in two seconds, man. Wow. He was gone. Went back to his limo, to his hmm. car. So hmm. I guess he just didn't like to have his picture taken. But before that happened, he was in a great mood. He was like, you know, smiling and everything was cool. So that's my uh, Chuck Berry encounter. Adam, what do you got, man? Um, just uh, to uh, sort of piggyback, it's, I'm going to kind of piggyback off one of your other picks, Freddie, on uh, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, and kind of just frame this in my research. I kind of want to just frame this as the uh, the child bride division of uh, <laughs> offenders. What? 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 Uh, because, uh, because in looking at this, and I'm not going to name any names because it's going to get too tabloidy, but in that era of the like 60s and 70s, there are a couple artists, I won't say their names, who kind of like uh, became legal guardians of young girls so they could take them across state lines on tour with them. And uh, there's just more than more than I care to think. And um, I guess my only take on that is that I'm happy that's not so accepted anymore because it's really like it's some big names and and just. I don't know. I guess maybe I guess we could parlay this into, you know, being that it was so, so, you know, in so much of the scene, is there kind of like a do you just, you know, be like, oh, that's the times or do you have to, you know, hold that to the to the fire? Yeah, um, Adam, that was um, yeah, that's terrible. That that whole scene is terrible. And um, I'm glad we we haven't normalized that behavior um yes. today as it was back then um and uh but i want to take it to maybe um a lighter area than <laughs> um child brides i want to go to straight to racism oh, um, there we go <laughs> <laughs> um and um so and so i i picked a couple people so elvis costello and john mayer they're kind of one and the same for me so Elvis Costello said some racist things back in like the 70s, I believe, about Ray Wait. Charles. Yeah. And John Mayer said some racist things about uh, black women in uh, 2000 sometime. And Elvis Costello seems to have gotten a serious pass on his things where now he's like, you know, doing things with the, you know, the roots and this person and that person. And then like, you kind of just don't think about it. And it seems like John Mayer's got somewhat of a of, of a past too, where he's now you know releasing albums, and you know not a lot of people know about what happened. And for me, um, I can't really listen to John Mayer anymore because of that. Even though if he apologized, he said he was you know out of his mind or whatever he was, I just am like, 
well, one, I'm like, his music's not that, it's not good enough for me to be like, oh, I'm conflicted. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, you're out. And the same thing with Elvis Costello. Um, I, that was one, that's one of the reasons why I've never really gotten into Elvis Costello, besides the fact that his voice stinks and most of his music is bad. That's another reason why I never got into Elvis Costello, is because of that thing. So um, it, I, I also want to say, is it me? Like, am I just holding on to this or should I not, should I not care? Like with Elvis Costello, or, uh, Brandon, what do you got? No, this is, this is really important to talk about. And one of my, I, I don't even know if it's right calling them honorable mentions, but yeah, we can throw Eric Clapton. Dishonorable? In, yeah, dishonorable. Yes, dishonorable. Uh, uh, yeah. Throw Eric Clapton into the mix, into this conversation. I think it boils yep. down quite simply to white privilege. And these guys can say this stuff and they are kind of forgiven and it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Time, what do you got, man? Well, I want to go back to what you, what Aaron was saying about um, the fact that some people, this seems to recede with some people. And, and it's true that Elvis Costello has sort of not had his feet to the fire, possibly because when he made those statements, it was a different time. We were not as sensitized to this and as a, as a widespread culture. But also that, you know, there's a, a, an enormous lack of context in our culture about the root causes of many of these problems, certainly racism among them. I mean, you know, you, you picked Miles, right? So Miles was, as you described, he was abusive to his wives, but he was also the victim of, of racism. And he was a victim of abuse over and over again. I mean, there's the story of, you know, him getting beat outside of the, uh, a club in New York. There, yeah. There's a, by a police officer who then didn't help him, even when he was, they were, it was clear who he was, things like that. And it's like, you know, we nothing happens in a vacuum. And part of what we don't do in this country is we don't allow for the context to enter into the, the discussion with him, with Miles. And I think a fair number of, of African-American artists that the the challenge was for them to just stay alive and, and to just be able to work during this period. And, you know, so now we can, it's easy to talk about Miles as one of these guys who's, who was not very well socially adjusted, was difficult. I mean, he was scary to be around in, in person, but at the same time, he had cause for a lot of that, and and that doesn't come up in these conversations the same way. You know, it, it's like it didn't come out of nowhere for him, for him you know, and for a, certainly a lot of jazz musicians. Uh, Freddie, what do you got, man? Yeah, I want to take what you're saying and uh, speak about James Brown for a minute. Um, James Brown is from the South, raised in the South which adds a whole nother layer of, of stuff. And a lot of people, uh, I've heard people say, well, I'd rather deal with someone from the South because at least you know what you're getting as opposed to somebody up North who's going to smile in your face and stab you in the back. Yeah. Uh, I want to recommend a great book uh, about James Brown called Kill Him and Leave by James McBride. Yeah, that's a great book. And really get he it's basically it's it, he's searching for the real James Brown, yeah. 
not the Mick Jagger version. No, that's right. And and he documents that exact thing, this idea of where oh. his personality came from and how exactly. he was molded as a young person. Yep. And I think yeah. McBride actually spent some time in Philly. He yeah, he did. Sax, sax player. Sax player, played with Anita Baker, you know, has another uh, has a bunch of great books. Great books. Great. I've, I've read it. Great writer. Yep, absolutely. Anyway, uh, I highly recommend that book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't talk too much about James. I mean, this topic is huge. We can go on forever about this. And, um, and uh, I mean, with James Brown, I mean, the the two, the documentary that came out, the movie that came out, um, you know, it touched on some of his issues, I guess, but it really left out a whole bunch. And, um, you know, and the you know, talking about the book, talking about, um, you know, what kind of like uh, kind of mental things he was going through and maybe even talked about mental illness uh, or, 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 you know, lack of, you know, utilizing those kind of services to, you know, to help people adjust. And I think that that thread goes throughout a lot of the people we're talking about where I'm not sure therapy was, you know, uh, used by a lot of these folks and maybe it could have helped, uh, you know, from the the least abusive to the most abusive. I'm sure that those sort of services uh, would have helped. But before we get out of here, I want to kind of take a different look also about, um, you know, about the art versus artist topic. And the, the one I want to bring up is I, you know, my honorable, one of my honorable mentions is the Dixie Chicks. And so I brought up the Dixie Chicks because um, when they said their things about George Bush, whenever that was, um, a lot of people, you know, trashed their CDs and all this stuff. And I was like, wait a second. I like the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks as they're known right now. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I like them. And I listened to their music and I was like, yeah, I support them. And then a couple of years later, I listened to it again and I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, I support them. And I was like, I don't like this at all. Like, <laughs> this was just like, I only supported this because, you know, they did something cool, I thought. And so when we're talking about artists, maybe there's like a other side of this coin where you really like someone, but their music is trash. Is there anybody that you guys can think about in, in those terms where like you just really like them? But if you really take a close look, it's trash. Man. Anybody? Well, so you're saying who, who here wants to trash someone? At the end of a, a podcast, after talking about criminality and child brides and racism, like who else do you want to add? Yes, is that what you're saying? Thanks for summarizing that, podiatrist. <laughs> that's why you. I, I don't know if I want to add anybody. Additional. Right, we're just doubling down on our judgment of the day here. It's just like who who can we tag on at the end? Who's not? Well, it's like the whole thing we do. I'm like, you know, if you, you always say if you start the phrase with "Oh, they're a nice guy," then you know, then you know where that's going. When the first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I like the Clapton honorable mention for this because this is recent, right? And I mean, it's not recent in his thinking, but it's recently surfaced. And uh, you know, and Van Morrison about COVID too. It's like just because people are good artists does not make them uh, geniuses. And uh, you, you know, we look to these artists as oracles almost in a lot of ways. And I feel like that's. You, you, you know, the, that's an audience discernment issue as much as it's a, you know, the uh, a, a lapse of judgment on the on the part of the artists themselves. You know, Van Morrison is certainly entitled to tell people not to get a vaccine and that the whole thing's, uh, you, you know, whatever. 
But, you know, he looks like a knucklehead. He just does not look like someone who is thinking right if he's if he's doing that and he has a platform from which to do that. And Eric Clapton the same way and a lot of a lot of people the same way. Freddie, what do you got? Uh, one thing I've noticed besides the Dixie Chicks, it's all men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Interesting. And, uh, I the Dixie about... Chicks were only on there. Hold on. I want to say the uh, Dixie Chicks right, were right, only right, on right. there because they were like the opposite for me. They were the I opposite understand. in his art. I, I, I understand. I understand. And they were like your second honorable mention. I'm just saying, I thought about having, like, let's say, Mariah Carey as an honorable mention, but that's just diva-ism. That's you know right. what I mean? Like, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Time. Diva-ism? Like, could the same be said for Buddy Rich? Rich. He, he had a, he, uh, or he Kanye was West? a diva. He indeed Kanye? was. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but that's why he was number three, not number one on my list. <laughs> So guys can be divas is what is what that's that's of all this conversation. I feel like that's really something we've kind of nailed down. Well, well, but but in Buddy Rich's case, he was abusive in a a way that was documented over and over again to the people that he employed. And, you know, like that evidence, that's different than just being a diva. I mean, he was a diva when he was walking to play when he was on stage. But mm-hmm. this stuff we're talking about is another level beyond that. I see. Mm. So, so Adam, Adam, go ahead, man. All right. I think just one kind of like, um, you know, a contextual point that we should really uh, factor in, especially because a lot of these choices are from like, you know, the golden era of, you know, rock and all of that is that uh, the whole idea of widespread, massive fame was kind of a new, th- you know, it, it's not like, you know, with television and, expanded technology and coverage you're you're giving these like 22 year old kids like this amount of money and like massive adulation wherever they go and then like okay here here's everything you've ever wanted you're immature be perfect there you go be normal yeah yeah, yeah. normal quote unquote it's hard i i bet i bet it's hard i i have oh, no idea yeah. like my 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 run at fame has been you know it was hard it was really hard for me <laughs> Brendan, what do you got? Man? Oh no, I, I I think I I couldn't put it any better. Adam really buttoned Adam, as he does. Summon it up. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that was really good, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I know. Uh, so we're 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 wrapping up here. Uh, we can uh, seriously we could go on and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, we we really didn't dig too deep too, too much deep into Kanye West. I mean, come on, Kanye oh. West or or Wagner or you know even you know. Jim Morrison's kind of diva ishness, um, or like uh, one of uh, Freddie's uh, honorable mentions, Carlo Gosualdo, who who might who might be up there in the, the the top of this this bad person train that we got here going on. Um, he might be in first class on this one. Um, Look him up. <laughs> Look him up. Um, he did his stuff yeah. first before yeah. before any of these any of these people. Um, so right. there's there's a lot more to dig into, and um, I'm sure we'll probably come back to this topic later on. And but we'll definitely try to have you, Tom Moon, on again to talk about Absolutely. maybe something some, some lighter fare, maybe well, maybe thank some you lighter. For fare. having me, this was so much fun, you guys. Awesome. Yeah, I, we're so honored to have you on. Well, that was uh, that yeah. was great. Yes, indeed. 
Yeah. And uh, so this is The List, a right fiction podcast. And we'll have a link to Tom's new newsletter, Echo Locator, up on uh, our uh, our website. We do have a website, guys, rightfiction.com. And uh, we're going to have it in the uh, the show notes as well. So thank you guys so much for listening. On behalf of uh, Brendan Meta McGeehan, Adam Podiatrist Zelensky, Freddie Bobetti Berman, and Tom Moon, our special guest. This is Aaron Brown, uh, the John Stockton of this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again soon. Take care. Right fiction.